1: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast where we dig, dive, and what's another word? Dig, dive, digest. and digest. <laughs> digest. I like it. we got to do a. It's a rule of threes, you know? you got to do three yeah. of them, the three Ds. <laughs> the three Ds. Uh, but- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from a, a very, I'm sure, kind of heavy <laughs> holiday week. And now we're getting into the tail end of our holidays it's just so wild that we look forward to this time all year long and it only lasts for two weeks that's it it's such a short amount of time
0: yeah and it's expensive as fuck to travel I feel that as you know someone I was sharing last week that I was in Florida then New York Mm -hmm. and it's I look at like the alerts I'm getting now for prices to all these places and it's like a fraction of the price when it's not on the holidays it's so brutal because they know everyone's traveling this time
1: of year you have to it's the only time that people have off and have a reason to travel it's so it's so sad but it's a good time at the same time because you get to celebrate it's worth it to spend that money right you can just say it's worth it and we're headed into the grand finale of the year where we yeah bid farewell to 2022. You've been kind to us. I think 2022 has been quite nice to us.
0: It's been a good year. So what are your New Year's plans then for 2023? Or 2022, I guess, technically. (laughs) (laughs) None.
1: Hang out with my parents and maybe fall asleep before midnight. I don't think there are going to be any grand plans. What
0: happened to the UA that I used to know? (laughs) I know.
1: I know. You don't like New Year's Eve, but we celebrated it before. It's never what you think it is. It never turns out the no. way you want it to.
0: I feel like though for years you were always trying to get like everyone to go to like some club or some place that you could dance. Yeah, that <laughs> so had an, an event. Demo. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'd rather be with f- my friends dancing. But at the same time, I understand it's it's sweaty, it's crowded, it's expensive. The open bars always busy with people you can't get a drink it's not a great time if you think about it that way so i could yeah. i could see us just having a dance party at home one of these days
0: i feel like i still don't know what i'm actually doing on the year so i'll be in new york city and my partner and i were pretty much like let's go to a restaurant as close as possible to my uncle's place so we don't have to get yes. wrapped up in it but now kiana gonna be here so we might oh. end up doing something We'll see. Oh, One yeah, of our good going to Move to New York. So she'll be at first, you know, it's like always that time that you don't know who's going to be back, who's not, but she will be back. So we'll we'll see. We might end up doing
1: more. You need to go to my favorite bar over east side. Oh, my God. Mad River. Oh, Just do God. it. <laughs> Just I feel like do of all the places in New York,
0: all of our listeners in New York are probably cringing so hard right now. <laughs>
1: they're like do not go to mad river <laughs> yeah it, it's like if you told people who are visiting san francisco to go, go to bar Nun for new year's eve oh That's my god the it equivalent. is equivalent that place yeah. doesn't exist anymore it's out of business did you know that it's so sad my <laughs> 20s are gone with that business, I feel like
0: every city has a bad river or a bar not or somewhere yep. that you loved in your twenties, and then you go back in your thirties and you're just like, why? Why did I love this so much? I mean, there's the nostalgic element of it, but I feel like you know, objectively, they're not good bars. <laughs>
1: As a grown as woman, yes, they're not good bars, but when you are, when your judgment's impaired and you're just looking for a good time, it's never a bad idea. In fact, Bar None does exist in many different cities. I don't know if it's the same chain, but it brings the same vibe. I actually think it's
0: in New York also. It is. Yep. Yeah. So do you remember? Of course you remember, but our listeners probably don't. When UA and I went to New York, this was in October before the pandemic. We went there to do a live show. And we went to Mad River because we were both staying at my uncle's house also. And Mad River Mm -hmm. was close by. Maybe Mm -hmm. we will end up at Mad River. Let's be honest. There is a possibility this could happen. You're going to do it. It (laughs) I'm going to report back and be like, New Year's Eve (laughs)
1: Um, River,
0: (laughs) Rung it in at Mad River after I made fun of it for an hour. And we went to Mad River. And you Mm -hmm. had, it was me, you, and Kiana. And we went there and we started talking to the bartender. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how we I mean we clearly talked about datable, and we got him on this he was just a funny guy like he was just like such the epitome of just like this guy that basically told us about all his sexual conquests. he was like what you think of as just like kind of like the ultimate bro like the frat bro type guy but he like bartender stereotype I hate to stereotype but like he was that stereotype of just like after a shift he'd go home with whatever girl was there like he was really just going for it and And he decided that he thought it'd be fun, or maybe we all decided that we should do a live session with him. Yes, we did. And interview him for the podcast, which we did. We had all of our gear. We came to the bar the next day. And I remember. Oh, yeah, we came back. <laughs> yeah, we came back and he was like talking to us. And then like someone would come over for like help with an event, and he'd be like, "I'll be right back. I need to go help them." And I think we like Facebook lived it too. It was hilarious. We, but we just he just kept giving us drinks. He kept just being an open book. I feel like he had no filter. It was amazing.
1: That's why <laughs> I love Mad River. Those are the type of people who work at Mad River and you never know who you're going to meet. In fact, the other day, you know what the Citizen app, when your friend joins the app, it'll alert you. It'll say so-and-so, but it's pulled from your contacts. The other day, (laughs) I got an alert that said, Alex Mad River bartender joined Citizen. Oh, my God. Stop. It's not that guy we met. It's it's a bartender I met, what, like 20 years ago in New York that I hooked up with. And he was in my phone as Alex... Mad River bartender, who knows what he's doing now. I'm pretty sure he's not a bartender at Mad River. But that brought me back to Lane thinking, wow, okay, Mad River day. Who this episode is sponsored River? by Mad River. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: who knew Mad River was going to get such, <laughs> so much unsolicited press? They are oh. so excited right now. Although, I don't know, I guess any Any PR is good PR, right? Isn't that the saying? Even if we talk about kind of like it being a dump? Yeah, it's-
1: Let me just uh, verify that they're still open. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Hey, my New Year's plans came and went real fast. If they're not, that's a bummer
1: it looks like they're still open and they got 4.7 stars on facebook
0: okay okay well you know it was very close by to where i'm gonna be so for that reason alone it might
1: win out for new year's we'll see okay yeah and then on facebook it says they are doing a a new year's eve party oh god there you go (laughs)
0: okay okay we'll see what
1: happens (laughs) no pressure no pressure. Yes, I'm like
0: call you I'm like I'm not at Mad River. <laughs> Such a good time.
1: Okay, but you know this is not giving me much hope. Everything on their Instagram are from 2020. <laughs> this is not oh, good. really? Yeah, shit. Nothing past shit. 2020. Maybe they're no longer open. I'm Wait, sorry, but it Julie. says
0: there is a New Year's party this year, or is it just like a generic one from 2020?
1: I think it was a generic one. Oh, oh dang. Okay, okay. damn. We'll do some research. <laughs> Okay,
0: well, I feel like we've given way too much time to Mad River. I hope everyone (laughs) enjoyed that segment.
1: And this episode is about Mad River. Here we go.
0: (laughs) This episode, actually, I feel like everyone's in for a treat today, because I don't think I even knew how much of a treat I was going to get going into this podcast. You all remember we did an episode last season, Who Will You Meet in Mm -hmm. the Wilds, with Will Rocklin. He was a comedian. Season 14, episode 3. So people love this episode, because he basically talked about him and his wife, how they met met in the wild, on vacation. On a solo trip. Solo Mm -hmm. trip. Totally out of nowhere. They ended up having, you know, a lot of mutual friends. They met halfway around the world. And it was it wasn't just that we talked about their entire love story of just like how a lot of it was like sliding doors that one of them was ready at some time and the other one was pulling back and you know eventually they got it right they got married they moved in together they lived in the same city all of that but there was I feel like the, there was a lot of questions I still had even listening to mm. the story of just okay it seems like all the odds are stacked against you two of just how difficult this is and you know how far apart you all are live they were doing long distance for many many months they had a lot of breaks in between get it worked out so we wanted mm-hmm. to get amy who's ua's friend who I've heard so much about and she was just such a delight and honestly I couldn't even imagine like how much we got out of this episode. UA and I both were like this needs to be the season finale.
1: Just warm and fuzzy and what I like about this conversation is that it's so fucking real. It's so yeah. real. Yeah. This is not what you're expecting y'all. You're not, this is not some <laughs> rom-com where it's like two people meet in Italy and they fall in love and they get married. Yeah, um, paper, it looks that way but Amy will add so much more color to this and at the end of the story, you'll get to hear the ultimate takeaway is the story is is not about Will or their love story. It's about her. It yeah. is her. She is the hero in this story, as we all should be in our own stories. And why this is still an evolution for her? Why is she still working on this? It's not a love story that just ends in success. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. It's a love story that's just starting. Yeah. And the the nuggets that she's learned. A Along the way, has it even brought me closer to her because I realize, wow, we're n- not alone in this. So much of what she says, I-, I just feel like, OK, I'm not on my own island in thinking about love in this way. Because sometimes we think love is so black and white. You're in mm-hmm. love with someone. Therefore, it should work out. Yeah, it's, That's not how easy it is. It's Love is very complicated.
0: I feel like no one talks about that. Like how relationships are fucking hard and love is hard. And we talk about how dating is hard. And I don't want to minimize that because dating is also fucking hard. But once you're in a relationship, I know for me, like the balance of putting my needs first, but also being able to like see and hear and understand my partner and figure out a compromise and where we can meet in the middle. It's like such, you know, you're kind of like pulling on two ends all the time, which makes it difficult but what I've learned from this episode too it's like you also really need to just like put yourself first and stay true to your own needs ultimately Mm -hmm. because that is the number one thing that you have with you at all times so while like I still very much believe in love and relationships I think the part that I feel like for so long I missed was like continuously advocating for your needs and I'm Mm. saying that for someone like I feel like my relationship's like healthy like I'm not saying that in a way that like in the past I could look at like just these are bad relationship dynamics. I almost feel like it's harder when you're like in theory everything is going well yet it's there's still things that are hard because you're bringing two people together and there's no way that can't be hard.
1: And you also see the story is you could get your relationship in a really good place and then something in life happens. yes, And then it tests your relationship time and time again just because you can get your relationship to a good place doesn't mean that it's always going to stay there. And that is okay, right? That's okay for us to think about. And this idea of like fight or flight is also kind of in our own nature to do in relationships and why that could be detrimental to you and your partner too. So, so much to think about whether you're in a relationship or you're not in a relationship, this is a very productive conversation about how you can be the hero of your own story and know that Everybody is just a character in your movie, and and we should treat it that way. That that yes, there are significant characters, but you are the main character here.
0: Yeah, it's this after the curtains roll that like what happens in the rom com after these two people get together. I feel like there's this misconception if people aren't exactly ready at the same time on the exact same timelines that it can't work out or there is mm. no love and the more like through this episode my own personal experience i'm just learning that like again we're bringing two people together that have different belief systems life experiences interpretations all of stuff that just makes us two individuals coming together which is hard it's hard it's very hard but worth it we worth it so we save this
1: as our (laughs) season finale it's a it's our gift to you. It truly feels like a present. <laughs> yes. So you're welcome. But we're also going to unwrap this gift with you. This is the end of season 15. It's not mm-hmm. the end of dateable. It's not the end nope. of our content. It just means we're going into the off season, still bringing you new content, just no interviews or guests, but taking a little break and then we'll come right back with season 16 in the new year.
0: Yeah, so we'll be back around Valentine's Day, take a little breather. <laughs> and, you know, we'll be also taking a little break from brunch talk. But that doesn't mean you can't get your questions in. Keep them coming. Send us hello at datablepodcast.com. Send us your brunch talk questions. Say hello, especially during the holidays. We always like just hear from you all and follow us on instagram at dateable podcast we love getting messages in the dms and also of course on posts that's always fun and stories love any interaction there it really helps us stay engaged and of course love in the time of corona the sounding board there's going to be some virtual holiday gatherings all the good stuff with the dateable community and you know last but not least share this with a friend Everyone deserves this gift, and then give us a gift. Five-star review in Apple Podcasts. That's all we ask for this year. We're easy.
1: (laughs) We love you all. Thank you so much for sticking with us for season 15, and we are so happy to bring you more content in the new year.
0: Yes, we are. So before we do that, let's take a quick
1: break for our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the book You Can Hide by Rebecca Zanetti. What do you do when a sociopath loves you? Rising star FBA profiler Laurel Snow is about to find out. Calling Laurel Snow's relationship with her newly discovered half-sister challenging is an understatement. Not only does Laurel suspect Abigail's behind the mysterious disappearance of their father, but her erratic behavior also makes life in Laurel's small town interesting, to say the least. Still, when Abigail claims someone is out to kill her, Laurel's instinct is to protect her sister. Then things get even more dicey as dead bodies start turning up and there's only one connection among them all, and that's Abigail. Having fish and wildlife Captain Huck Rivers bring in those dead bodies with his dive team only complicates matters. Huck is an impulsive and fiery as Laurel is coolly analytical, which makes their alliance risky at best. The Blacklist meets The Profiler meets Justified in this fast page-turning thriller that will have readers guessing until the very end. Check out You Can Hide by New York Times bestselling author Rebecca Zanetti at kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold.
0: Okay, let's hear it from Amy. Amy.
1: Well, Amy, thank you for being part of a variation of what we call a he said, she said episode where we spoke to your husband and got his side of the story of how you met, fell in love and became the couple that you are today. But then we got to get your side of the story, too. The way you met is like the dream meet you. OK, you like met in the Dolomites. You're on a family vacation. He's on a soul searching trip by himself. But that's not the start of a love story. That's actually just like the first seed planted and lots of things happen. So we're going to get into the things that happened after that. But who is Amy? She is 39 years old, lives in L.A., born in China, grew up in Texas and yay area. She is married to Will, who we had on our show on season 14, episode three. Who will you meet in the wild? We focus that conversation on solo travel. But then after that aired, many people had questions about, wait, how did this relationship progress? Progress. Julie had many yes, questions. Yes. How, how did this relationship progress? And I have to say, you know, I've known Amy for many years. I haven't known Will for that long, but I knew of him when he first came into the picture. And today I'm so excited to get the actual version of what was going down during that
2: time <laughs> from Amy. So welcome, Amy. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so stoked to be here. Not Yay. the least of which is because I love both of you and especially you, UA, who I've known forever. But also because when I first heard Will's episode, I just kept thinking, I need to tell my side of the story. I yes. can't wait. Yes. See, there's like a whole other <laughs> thing going on here. Oh, uh, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, that feeling. So I hope that all comes out today.
0: <laughs> I love it. I think one of the things that in my mind is someone that wasn't as close to your story as UA was, I'm like, there's a lot of different timelines. Like, there were times mm-hmm. that you were ready. There were times that Will was ready. There were times that you weren't ready. There were times that he wasn't ready. And then how did you finally bridge all those gaps? I'd love to dive into all that today, plus more, of course.
1: Um, plus, yeah, we got to get into <laughs> everything. So many questions, even though I know you, I still have so many questions. Just to refresh everyone's memories, in case you haven't listened to Will's episode or you forgot about Will's episode, it is worth re-listening to. So yes, again, definitely. season 14, episode. Three. Who will you meet in the wild? But a quick summary is Amy and Will met in Italy. Like I said, she was on a family vacation. Will was on a soul-searching solo trip. And they had a flirtatious encounter that ended in some PG-13, I don't know, results. That, that same trip. PG-13. Or is it, is it R? R? I don't know. I don't know what 13-year-olds are doing these days.
0: You have to listen to the episode to find out. Yes.
1: <laughs> Cliffhanger. (laughs) but then this transition into a long distance relationship and then there was a period of off and then on and then off and on and finally we are on on we were engaged (laughs) getting married doing life together so before you met will where were you in your dating
2: journey oh what a great question I had started to take a real look at myself because my dating journey was a huge failure. It was probably the biggest failure in my life. Like I give myself an F, okay? I mean, I was out there, but I was a failing. And, you know, really when I look at, you know, basically since I started dating in like high school, really, right? I was just a serial monogamist. And by the time I met Will, I had been in probably what, seven real relationships where like this person and me had, you know, met each other's families. We had talked about um, getting married. It was serious. I had lived with three boyfriends by then. No way. I think that's a lot. I don't know. You can tell me. You you, you two are the How experts. How old
0: were you at this point? How old were this you? This is by
2: the time I was thirty one, by the time I moved to London. And okay. I, I was like seven. R-? Yeah. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So like... So you never dated.
2: I thought it was dating, but <laughs> yeah, it was like one relationship to the next because I would, you know, I fall in love really easily. I've always been like that, whether it's a muffin or a person. And <laughs> I just could be good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, baked goods, you know, that's a weak spot for They're me. They're real sexy. <laughs> yes, they are. They turn me on. <laughs> Don't downplay the sexual blueberry. nature. Yeah. <laughs> I just made a blueberry bread. I'm telling you, it's incredibly... Alluring. It is. <laughs>
1: yeah, look at her Instagram. So yeah, it was
2: a lot, right? And maybe it wasn't, I I mean, I think I was dating. I was, you know, meeting different people going on dates, but then I would get into relationships really quickly and then I would stay in them too long. So, and then each of them ended and some of them were okay endings and some of them were like very messy. And some of them, I I still feel like maybe did I really do something, you know? And then at the end of all that, I was like, okay, the only common denominator on this is me, Mm. right? I've dated all kinds of different people, but like, what is going? on with me and it's time I really, really take a look. So I was on this place of deep self-reflection. I took my move to London as an opportunity to stay single for a while and not repeat some of those patterns. I recognize a lot of the patterns that I'd gotten into. The last relationship I had just left was extremely toxic to me. It was up and down. I was doing things that I didn't understand and that I would like cry in the shower. It was just completely, yeah, it was very difficult. I understand it now a lot more and after kind of getting into things like attachment theory my attachment style, his um, different patterns from my childhood. But anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to really be with me. I'm going to get really clear on what it is that I want. And then when I'm ready for a real relationship again, I'm going to be really ready. So by the time I had met Will, I had gone through that whole thing, said goodbye to this sort of person that I thought I was in love with, literally like the week before I met him. Oh, wow. Had like a DTR where he told me very explicitly like, so I think that I would want to be the person at your wedding. Cheering you on, not the person getting married to you. No way. Which was like yeah, a huge blow to me in the moment. But I'm so thankful that I got that clarity. But I was so, I was like clear, I was empty. But I was really ready for like my next real relationship. And I was really challenging myself, like a little thing that I was doing. So I was in Malta the week before, the country, Mm -hmm. on a solo sail trip. So I was learning how to sail. And on one of the nights I was walking the harbor, I just realized about myself that I was walking down the marina, made eye contact with this guy in a boat, and immediately turned away. Just like averted my eyes and like got small and disappeared, even though I was interested. And I recognized that moment. And I was like, you know what? That's never going to lead me to, you know, an interaction, right? Right. So I was working on things like that. I was ready for a relationship. I had said goodbye to the things that weren't working that I was maybe delusional about or one-sided about. And I had think I had learned a lot more about myself and I was doing a lot of this work.
0: So then Will comes along. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You're like, I couldn't even make eye contact. So then this guy, as you might recall from the last episode, you guys are like at a shower at like a pool and he came out and just said like that was a cool shower or something, right? Wasn't that like... (laughs)
2: Yeah. So his version is he sees me and he has to find a way to make conversation. Right. And my version was, I was down there like almost dying because I'd been with my parents for five days straight staying in the same hotel rooms and they had come from California and they were jet lagged. So they'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and just sit in the room on their phones. And while I was trying to sleep and I was driving them around the whole time, it was like a road trip. So I was exhausted and I was like, I needed some alone time. So I went to the spa to like decompress and I was actually on my way out. I had been there for like, an hour or two. Like I was, you know, wrinkly, you know, and like all saunted out. (laughs) And I was leaving. So I was on my way out. And right when I was about to get to the door was when I turned because I heard his loud kind of, he's got that funny Baltimorean, I don't know what accent he has, but it's got definitely (laughs) an American accent. And I hear it so loudly. And I look over and there's this kind of like, what I saw, my memory is like this pale faced guy with a goatee, (laughs) you know, Uh sitting in a hot tub with two Uh naked German people, you know, like that was the scene that I saw. (laughs) And and he's just like talking, you know, he's being verbose. And I just caught the glimpse, like it registered and I, but I didn't break my step. I was leaving. And at the entrance, there was like this little mound of ice. I think they help, that helps you cool down or something. But I picked up a piece of ice and I was like, you know what? This is like that moment on the pier. Mm. I can either leave right now, or I am intrigued about what's going on over there, or I can go back.
1: Wait, by him or the naked German people? I
2: mean, uh, for uh, both. The whole situation. Let's yes. be honest here. <laughs> Anything can happen, you know?
1: <laughs> uh, <We're all> free.
0: <laughs> She's like, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
2: So I turned around, and I wouldn't have done that before. I think I may have just left before. Oh, whatever, it's not a big deal. You know, I'm just going to go back up to. You know, I'm done here anyway, been here for hours. But I turned around and went back, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I just went and sat down.
1: Wow. Okay. So then you went and sat down. So his side of the story is that he says something really cheesy or funny to you. What do you remember (laughs) as the first encounter?
2: I actually remember crossing paths with him. So I'm walking, and there's this doorway, and we walk past each other, and he's wearing a robe, and I'm wearing a robe, (laughs) and he goes hi. And I go, hello. Like That was just (laughs) my (laughs) reflex response. But I kept walking because I didn't know what to do. So I just, that was like the first thing. And then I remember him saying, isn't that a crazy shower? How about that shower?
1: Interesting. Love a first shower. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That sounds way more scandalous than it was. Yeah.
2: I remember going into the shower because I was like sitting there, I was sort of meditating in this atrium area. And then, so this is after we say the hi, hello, I go and sit down and meditating, and closing my eyes. And then I'm like, maybe I'll go back into that shower again. So I walk over to the shower. But in order to get into the shower, I have to take off my robe, oh, hang it on the hook outside of the shower and then slip into the shower. Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, I don't know if this German couple is seeing my butt, you know, I don't know what's being seen. But, you know, this is that kind of place where we're, you know, I I mean, to get into the shower, I have to take off this robe. Apparently, he didn't see that, but I didn't know. Anyway, so I, you know, come out of the shower and then he says the thing.
1: Oh, that could be really creepy, potentially. Like, if you thought he saw you naked and he comes and he's like, how about that shower? (laughs) 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 But it all worked out, as we learned from
0: Will in the episode. Okay, we got his side of the story about the long distance that entailed after this. From your perspective, what was this period of your relationship like when you went back to London and you were kind of seeing if there was legs to make this vacation romance like a little more?
2: Yeah. So after Copenhagen, that was like our big first date, right? right. We got there on a Thursday. We left on a Sunday. And by the end of that weekend, I was, my heart was just bursting. I was in love with that muffin. You know, I was like, <laughs> I'm in, <laughs> I felt it. I feel it here. There's a connection. I'm really excited. And I started to feel vulnerable. So I remember asking him at the end of that weekend, hey, hey, you know, what do you think this is? And I kept thinking, how could we meet like this? There must be some reason. There must be something. This is insane way to meet somebody who I could have met 10,000 other ways, you know, in a Google office or in the West Village. So I I said, you know, I was vulnerable and I was like, so, you know, what is this to you? I I really have, I feel strong things for you, I think. And he was kind of like, oh, you know, um, yeah, I'm not sure. And I remember my heart dropping. I had a moment of like, oh, and I also think i had a little bit of awareness of like, that might be just me because maybe this is a kind of a pattern that I can play out because I fall in love so quickly. Right. And maybe he just doesn't know yet, but I'm not getting the like, oh my God, I feel so much for you too. I can't wait to see you again. I'll visit you in London in a couple of weeks. Right. I was not hearing that. Hmm. Disconnect. Yes. Yeah. So I remember leaving and just going back to London and being like, well, I don't know. This is a grand fucking mystery to me. Like whatever you want from me universe, I have no fucking idea what you have in store for me, but that was really powerful. And also I didn't want a long distance relationship. I've been in them before. It is so tiring. It was so tiring for me. It could be so draining. And that's the last thing that I wanted. So I was also just kind of like, I guess I'm not making any decisions. I'm not going to try to control the thing or call it just because I'm uncomfortable with uncertainty. I was practicing a lot of being comfortable with certainty. So that's kind of where I landed. Ended when I got back to London. Mm.
0: So you kind of brought in your past, right? That you said that I'm the type that falls in love easily. I almost hear it's like, here we go again, kind of thing because of what you experienced before. How do you think the past and thoughts about the effing relationships and all the stuff you mentioned was creeping into your thoughts at
2: this point? A lot, because I really just made this promise to myself that whatever I was doing in the past wasn't working. And I knew what I was doing. Like I had made a list. Like I done a lot of self-assessment. Mm. And one of those things was, you know, I'm a people pleaser. That's just, you know, in my family, that's how I was raised. That's how I felt safe. You know, that's the way I, sh- I can show up. And I would do that in relationships. The first six months, you know, would fall in love and I'd be all this people pleasing and I'd try to make this person happy. And then about six months in, I'm like, wait, I have needs too. And then that would be the first time this person would, would hear of my needs. Right. And mm. like my relationships mm. just didn't work like that. Also because then I would carry a lot of resentment and bitterness and all this stuff. So I realized that I had been showing up in my relationships as like the best version of myself slash a version that I thought this person wanted. And then this relationship, I was like very clear. If I do that here, I'm going to get the same result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So I got to do something different. I'm going to try to stay as organic as possible. This one thing really influenced me. I went to this, I think it's the Brahma vihara Center in in San Francisco. I've become more and more Buddhist as I've, as I've gotten yes. older. He uh-huh. yes. explains the haircut.
1: Which I, uh-huh. I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amy has a shaved head right now for anybody who- (laughs) is wondering
2: (laughs) yeah and this was in the turmoil of that toxic relationship I was talking about. I was really seeking answers. And the thing that really stayed with me from that workshop, which was called What is True Love, was this thing that, you know, she ended up talking about self-love and this little piece of paper that she gave us, which I'm happy to send you, about letting go and letting mm. things happen by their natural consequences. Letting go is not about controlling others. It's being the best that I can be. And letting things happen like, you know, like in organic farming, like this chemical reaction or this thing that wants to grow or move, you know, is going to push up against the This other thing. And that's natural. We don't need to control it. So that was really practicing that in this moment, just like trying to stay grounded, like, here's who I am. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want. Here's all the things I'm feeling. And I can't control what he's going to feel or want, but I can receive it. And if I feel, you know, present enough to be with the anxiety, right? And that's okay, then great. And if it's not, then I need to move on. But I'm going to take it moment by moment. I was really trying hard to stay present and just stay true, I guess.
1: And I would say from a friend's perspective, let me know if I have the timelines right. I also hung out with Amy in Copenhagen. We also fell in love there. So I'm just saying, like, Will, <laughs> you're not the first, OK? But <laughs> by the time I had met up with you, you had already met Will. There was already this chance encounter. And I remember you talking about this guy that was like this great meet-cute. Out of nowhere, very random. But also I felt you very strongly trying to suppress your excitement. So we were obviously going Mm -hmm. out talking about other guys, Mm. trying to keep, you know, other guys in the picture. I want to just get clear. When did he come back into the picture more of a relationship context?
2: It wasn't until I had gotten back to London after my sabbatical. So like we meet in September of 2016. By July, 2017, I've taken a sabbatical. I've gone to Asia for three Mm. months. I've come back to London. I'm about to quit my job. I'm finishing off the last quarter at Google and knowing that I'm going to move to New York after that, which I think really changed things for him. And he started showing up differently. But for me, it was like one day in August, my flat got broken into. I got a call at work and my landlord said, hey, you got to come home because you've had a break. And I said, how bad is it? Do I have to sleep somewhere else tonight? And she said, I don't know. You should come home right now. And I was really scared. I felt really violated. So I got on the bus to go home and there was just this like, It felt like a wooden plank knocked me up against the back of my head. That was like, go to New York and make babies with Will. That was, what? yeah, and it it really felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, no, I wasn't even thinking, you know, I was knowing I was going to, you know, get myself to New York. I had to leave London because my visa would be over all this stuff, but I hadn't been thinking about him that way. And in fact, he had let me down a few times, like right kind of before that. But this just came, like hit me like a pound of bricks. And he was the person that I wanted to call when I was on that bus to tell him that this happened. Mm,
0: that's a sign.
2: Yeah. I felt safe talking to him and he was very good with me on the phone. You know, he was very comforting and calming and he's a great friend, right? Like something about a relationship is we were best friends. He really showed up in that moment and that started to change things for me.
0: So I want to go into all this, like where it changed, but I also want to go back for a second at this period where <laughs> <laughs> you are trying to maybe suppress a little, like I loved all of things you said about staying present. All of that. But I could hear even my anxiety is coming out a little. But I could hear our listeners just being like, how did you handle that? Like this, I'm really crazy about this guy. I'm unsure how they feel about me. You even said just now he let me down a few times. Talk us through that. Like, what was that process like? And how did you kind of stay level headed through the whole thing?
2: Oh, my gosh. He let me down a lot. Like the first time was after Copenhagen. Then in New York, a big, you know, this thing happened. And I was like, whoa. And then we went to the Bahamas. And there he was basically like, go do your thing. We're like, Shit. This is basically like, you know, go do your sabbatical and change your life. And I'm going to be in New York and I'm going to find my person there, basically. So mm-hmm. I went to, back to London after that trip, like really like, okay, he doesn't know how he feels about me. And, and this is the way he's thinking. And there's nothing I can do about that, right? And... I thought that like I was walking my path. I was doing the things and learning the things that I wanted to learn in the relationship that I ultimately wanted to have in my life. And that was very clear to me. Like I knew where I was going and knew at least directionally that I needed to show up as me, which also meant the falling in love quickly Mm -hmm. and that I had deep feelings for him. But, you know, you can't make someone love you if they don't. Then I said to myself, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to turn inward I have this amazing opportunity to take a sabbatical. I'm going to prepare for that. My life is really changing. And that's more important to me right now, this journey, my path than some relationship. And that's a lesson I had. I had to learn the hard way. I mean, even moving to London, that took me, you know, maybe a decade because I remember Mm. living in New York and wanting to move to London, but thinking, oh, I'm in this relationship. I can't go. Mm. So I had like had that a few times. So this time I was like, wow, powerful opportunity in my life to go seek my purpose and walk my path. And who am I as a human being on earth? And that's more important. I'm going to go inward. And I let him go. I let him go many times. And then like six weeks later, he called me and was like, hey, I miss you. Mm. And that was a moment where in the past, I think Amy would have been like, of course you do. Screw you. <laughs> yeah. This, this ship has <laughs> sailed, busta You know, like, you know, y- you're the dummy, you know, and, and from like a lot of pride, you know, yeah. or at mm-hmm. least like made him feel bad about it, you know?
0: Yeah. We've all done that. Yes. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or fantasize
1: about it at least. <laughs> <laughs> they never really come back for me. It's just I like fantasize about them coming back. And I go, not this
2: time, buddy. It's a brilliant fantasy. You know, why not give yourself the fantasy, right?
0: I feel like they always come back in a month. That's always the general they do. Rule. They, they always do. come back. Pop Depends into the how you DMs. leave it. Maybe you close the door too much. <laughs> yeah, like a
2: post. Yep. Yeah, so he comes back and he's like, I've realized that I missed you. And I was thinking like, you're a bonehead, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, how do I actually feel about that right now? If I can really check in with myself, right? And I was like, okay, well, I feel okay about that. I don't feel angry. I talked to him for a little bit. And the next day I was like, huh, I feel like a spring in my step that he's back in my life. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of went with that. And it was just very, you know, modular. And then and then he let me down again. He let me down again. And this whole time, the thing that really kept me centered was that this wasn't about him. It was about me. This is my journey. This is my path. I had had a really good friend who is a mentor who is maybe like 10 or 20 years older, even before all this, when I was like, what is going on? You know, I've had these seven relationships. What's going on with me? This is the thing that she gave me that really helped me stay centered during this whole time. And she said, I'm going to force you to do something very middle school. I'm going to force you to write down the 10 things that you want in a partnership partner." partner. And it can't be more than we tell
0: people to do that all the time. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I didn't know it was middle school.
1: <laughs> yeah <That's> a very <laughs> mature middle schooler <laughs> uh,
0: yeah
2: i think i think she was making fun of me because she was like i can't say like you know he has a shiny car and you know it's not that stuff right and i had been reluctant to do it i don't know why right but i had ended up with this list that i had worked on and worked on and worked on and processed and it ended up being like my north star because i realized it was a list about me it's not about the other person it's about me, what I value, what I want in a relationship, the relationship that I want to build, not the relationship mm-hmm. that I want to be handed, right, or discover. It was things like, you know, we communicate well, we have fun, or we have the same values, like we want a family together, we in the same life stage. It was things like that. By the way, version one of this list was much more superficial, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Later on, it got more real, but when we were having all that he was letting me down, all those things, I would just look at the list and I would say, are these These things here for me. And if they are, then there may be something here. Then I Mm. wanna give it a real chance. And if they're not, then I gotta remember that this list is where I'm going. He may or may not be that person, but this is where I'm going. I'm very clear about what I'm doing. So that was really helpful.
1: That's beautiful. I wanna say this loud and clear for our listeners because sometimes we do these episodes and people's takeaway is exactly (laughs) the opposite of what we want them to take away. I don't want anybody listening to the story being like, huh, if I just leave it, they'll come back. And, you know, I'm just going to wait it out because they're going to come back. That is not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is you had to let him go. The old will and the new will that showed up is a completely different person. And you had to make sure that he was measuring up against what you're looking for in a partner and not so much thinking about the old will who constantly disappointed you and created these disconnects with you. Okay, so people don't it's not about waiting it out. I'm really glad you said that. Yes. (laughs) I think that too, and it's
0: the future of when you actually got together, but also even in this time, what I noticed from your answer is that it was still about you it's not like you were sitting there twiddling your thumbs, yeah. waiting for him to text you. That's a very different energy than what you described. So I think that's another thing to point out that yes. we don't want to just accept bad behavior. But I think what I'm hearing from you too is like, you know, and this is what I'm curious on, like, how did you decide like, what's the line that I'm still wanting to keep this person in my life? Because on one side, it's like people are human, they don't always know the same rules, or they don't know the same way of thinking as you do. And yeah, he let you down. But let's be honest, we glamorize relationships to think that we're never going to get let down. I think all three of us could probably say we've been let down at some point. That doesn't mean that it's not a healthy, fulfilling relationship. It's life in a partnership and fact of doing life with someone else. Like what was the line for you versus like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do me, give this person kind of the benefit of the doubt that they're human versus like, you know, like this is almost like disrespectful, like wasting my time kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I want to add something first to what you said, UA, that like even underscores, I think, what was going on for me. I really felt a sense that like, I'm over here. Like, here's what I'm building in my life. Like, I'm in Paris right? Here's where mm-hmm. I live. And if you want to be in Paris too, great, but I'm not going over there. This is what I'm doing. I'm in Paris and building a life here. Like that, I felt like a location about where I was and what I was doing, what was important mm. to me. And if he wanted to join me on that, and he also agreed, and if it could have been anyone though, right? right. I could have met somebody the next day where like they also wanted the same thing. That is what I was true to, my dream, right? Not like him. I think that mm-hmm. was a really powerful distinction because in the past, I was confused. At, and I thought like, oh, it's this person
0: mm-hmm. that's going to help me
2: get to my dream versus my dream is my dream. That's huge. And if somebody's going to join me on it or not, or whatever, it might be him, might be someone else. I hope it's him because I have feelings mm-hmm. for him, but it might not be. So that was helpful. Thank you for adding that. Yeah. Julie, your question. I think again, you know, sometimes actually when I listened back to the episode, there were times where I was like, whoa, did I really, was I okay with that? You know, like mm. we got in a little fight afterwards because I was like, I can't believe I let you treat me like that. Like there were pieces oh. where I was like, yeah, like, whoa, like that's bullshit. You know? And I can say more about that. But in the moment, I think I was really just like, am I okay with this right now? And I was. Mm. Am I okay with this right now? Do Does this feel good or not? Mm. Very simple. Do I feel like I'm contorting myself or not? It wasn't even about forgiving him. I think I was in a place where I was like, he doesn't owe me anything. And it's my choice whether or not I want to let him back in or not. And I think that's also why I felt so much peace when I had turned away from him and was like, oh, I don't think this is right for me anymore. I felt a lot of peace around that, too. And then he was like, oh, my God, you know, I love you. Of course. Of
1: course. (laughs) Wait, but the push and pull, though, I want to talk about this because you do let him back into your life. But then from his side of the story, you started pulling back Mm -hmm. and he had to do more of the chasing. What was happening there?
2: So I went on my sabbatical and this was like Q2 of 2017. So like, you know, six, nine months after we met. And I did some deep healing on myself, right? One entire month. Month of yoga teacher training in Bali, 10 days of a silent meditation retreat, going back to China where I was born to see my family, deep things. And I got really spiritual. I got really peaceful. I got pretty Zen and I got really sensitive, especially after my Vipassana. I just got really in tune with all the sensations and thoughts and all this stuff. And I saw him in San Francisco and I was really turned off. Mm. I saw a lot of ego. I saw oh. just like a different sensitivity to things. Let me tell you how how Zen I got. Like I was highly considering like becoming a monk, like just like renouncing and like going to like the living, walking the life of like a monk. So I was just like thinking that we just are very different now. And I don't feel my heart isn't feeling what it used to feel for him. And I'm not going to try to force it. I just don't feel anything. I don't feel the same thing.
0: Which makes sense, especially if you've gone through like a growth stage, you start to see people differently. I think that is natural.
2: Yeah. And then
1: your feelings started developing again for him. (laughs) You started feeling things again.
2: How? Why? So he freaks out. He writes this lullaby, this beautiful piece of music. I open it up the next morning. You know, it's nighttime there. It's morning in London. And I remember listening for the first time and I was like, this is sort of bewildering. Like, why did he... (laughs) write this. And what am I listening to? And then I was like, you know, sleepy. And I was like, okay, well, let me listen to it again, because maybe I didn't get it. But in listening to it, I felt I just started to feel something again my heart opened again. It felt like a faucet just started, it was turned on again, like a river was flowing again. And I felt the softening inside and I wanted to talk to him again. I didn't know, I wasn't like, I'm in love with you or, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be with you, but I want to talk to you. I like being close to you again. I love this approach that you're taking.
0: It's very like in the moment, which, you know, correlates with all the stuff you've been doing, very zen, but you're not thinking about like, oh my God, if I open the conversation, that means we're in a relationship and then we get married. Like it's very much, Mm -hmm. I just want to talk to this person.
2: Yes. And let me add something to that because I would never, ever thought like that until I froze my eggs. Okay. I could
0: see that. I could see that. Every
2: date that I went on before that was very much like, okay, is this going to be the person or not? Like there was just high stakes as everything. And I remember even after the first consultation that I went to, to talk about freezing my eggs, the first date I went on, like it was like that night. It was like the first time I remember as an adult, I think I was like 30 one at the time that I was like, oh, all I'm asking is, do I like being with this person right now or not? And do I want to see them again? That's all I'm asking. It's like removing the pressure. Mm -hmm. I can see
0: that with the eggs. Let's hold that thought for a quick message.
1: Your feelings are starting to develop again after this song, Lullaby. I love that you're calling it a lullaby. And it's still not linear from there. There's still kind of like this push and pull and still a disconnect and a connect. What is happening that's causing a little bit of turmoil after this?
2: I had my list and I didn't know if he Mm -hmm. wanted the same things. And I didn't know if he would, you know, pull away again. I didn't know what was out there for me. He mentioned, you know, meeting me in Greece, which was really fun. And I Mm -hmm. remember when he said at the end of that, and that was just total fun and joy, right? He really showed up and like brought party will. And at the end of that trip, you know, he said, I love you. And I said, Said thank you. Cause I didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like it was, a you know, like literally one of those moments where it's like, I love you. It's like, thank you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. But yeah, I didn't feel that. I didn't, I wasn't, it's not even that I wasn't ready to say I love you. I didn't, I didn't love him at that time. And that was Which like, fair. S- right. That was like September. And so I was leaving London a month later and he had asked me, basically, he's like, you can stay with me. And then eventually he asked me if I wanted to move in. But even then, like we were kind of, you know, I met his family when I got to New York that winter, you know, I felt things for him. I was very, I think by that time I probably had said, I, I love you. Cause I felt that strongness again, but I still didn't know. I didn't want to move in together. I went on another trip after I got, I'd like a, another mini sabbatical after I moved to New York. I went to South America for like two or three months. And he was really upset about that. He was like, I want you here. And when I came back, he was like, I think we should just move in together. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I've lived with three other boyfriends in the past. It mm-hmm. didn't work out. I am never doing that again, where I have to move my stuff out from where I live because of a relationship that was so traumatizing. I'm going to get my own place in New York. But something really interesting happened. And I think this was very new for me in my relationship Like usually my relationships, we'd have an argument or disagreement and it would, I'd feel crummier after, or there'd be some Mm -hmm. resentment. But with Will, something I had noticed was that every time we did have one of these conversations, I actually felt better afterwards. Mm. Mm. And I remember sitting with him at a cafe in Costa Rica because he had met me there while I was like coming back up from South America and going back to New York. He'd met me there and we were at like a Marriott near the airport. It was like, that's super romantic. Super romantic (laughs) in this courtyard. And we were talking about moving in. I said, no. And then it was starting to get kind of contentious and a little bit, you know, argumentative and sad. And then he stopped me and he said, listen, instead of talking about what we don't want, why don't we just actually name what it is that we do want?
0: Oh, wow. What a question. That is such a good reframe. Oh,
2: wow. Will has an amazing ability to do that in the moment. And Mm. I mean, I do that now with my clients. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I said, it's amazing, amazing place to look. And so we just both took a moment and we talked about what we both wanted. And then when we shared that, we realized it was the same thing. Mm. (laughs) Then my fear subsided and I was like, okay, then I, you know, it's aligned for me. Right. Let's try moving in.
0: It can be scary, though, when people aren't aligned with you, especially when you have feelings. And, you know, I think this is something I'm kind of like discovering now, too. It's like there are pace discrepancies because it's two different humans that are have a different life, have different ways of thinking. Like, There's so many different backgrounds or so many different factors for anyone else that's struggling right now with knowing that there's a feeling, but it's not lining up in some way. What advice would you have for them?
2: I think the most empowering thing you can do is get in touch with yourself. And that's what really helped me. Like I would really feel, I would get in touch with myself and think, okay, this is this feeling I'm having. What is it that I'm wanting or needing? And try to answer that question and identify those wants or needs. And sometimes the need might be like reassurance or mm-hmm. freedom or care or affection. And that always helped me get more to like the bottom of things versus like, I want him to tell me that he's going to do this, this, and this, and this, like the tactical right. stuff right? Mm -hmm. I feel like getting down to the needs is like way more connecting to like that root level place. Now that I've, I feel like I've worked on this for years now, but in the moment I didn't have this, but now I can say that then it's about communicating and making requests for those needs to be met. And also looking at which needs that might actually be best met by yourself or somewhere else. Mm,
0: That's a good point.
2: I think that really freed me from being so codependent on this other person for all this stuff that I was unsure about or uncomfortable about or the insecurities that I have, frankly, right?
0: Right. Well, a lot of it is your own insecurities. Like I know that for myself. I'm like, where is this coming from? Is it from my partner or is it from me? And a lot of times it's my own stuff coming through for sure. Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, I can tell you after being married for, you know, was it like three years now that like half the time when I'm like, you're not giving me enough appreciation, you know, you're taking me for granted half the time, maybe 80% of the time it's because I'm not seeing myself and giving myself appreciation and and recognition and acknowledgement.
1: That's exactly it.
2: And then after I've done that, I feel way different. I still (laughs) might need something from him, but it feels different. So I think approaching it that way is the most empowering way because it actually, I really do mean that word. It makes you less codependent.
1: Yeah. When you feel full, your cup is full. You don't need anybody else to fill your cup. Anything that someone else brings should be an additive. And if it's not, then you don't need it. You can choose to not have it in your life and when you chose to tell will that you didn't want to move in it's not out of spite i think that's like the key here yeah because i think the old ua would have been like well i do want to move in but i'm gonna say no just so i can take back the power and let him feel like i'm in charge here but then deep down being like i wish we could move in you actually were saying no because you want to stand your ground of who you are it's not part of your path yet And you were very strong about that, but then staying open to what else could come out of this.
2: I think power is like a crazy thing in relationships. Will and I are working a lot on power a lot with our therapist now, who's amazing. And I think that is one thing is I recognize that he could never really take power away from me. That was really important to me. and I, I was more in touch with my own power than I had ever been previous in my life. And I'm still not fully in touch with it, but I was more so. And the other thing that you made me think of is when I started to give that to myself, whether it was reassurance, recognition, appreciation, or love, what I learned is that I have the capacity Capacity to love. I have the capacity to give recognition, and that's more important than even receiving it myself. Like I am the fountain of it. Mm.
1: When did you stop dating other people?
2: Basically, when I left London. Okay. I was very naturally growing more disinterested in the people that I was dating. I had a few very beautiful. I remember. Pomers. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was living the life in my little European way. And I remember the more that I felt for Will, the more I felt like, hmm, I don't actually want to be spending like my evening with this person as much. I'm not getting as much out of it. So it felt very natural. And I said goodbye. And I think leaving London made, made that really natural.
0: I know you weren't like thinking okay, it needs to happen this way or you're more taking it in as you felt it. But how did you kind of keep faith throughout this whole process? Or were you content just saying like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out?
2: I think faith is a really good word for it cuz I think I had it was like faith and surrender. Here's what I can have faith in, which is I've showed up in this relationship authentically and I haven't tried to appease or create like a false or a perfect version of myself for him to love. And I don't think he has either. (laughs) (laughs) So there is something real here. And that's easy for me to touch. It became tangible, especially after all that back and forth, that there was a real connection and that there were real things that we both wanted in common, that we really did align on our values and our life goals. And then a faith in myself, because I had been through all those breakups, I knew that I could get through another one Mm -hmm. and I could pick myself back up. That's so important. Yeah, I know that I want in my life the opportunity to have a family and be a mom and get married. But if that doesn't happen because it's not in the cards for me, I trust that too. And I know that I can be happy with that life too. And that life like totally has its advantages too. And I just can't control it. So I'm going to try to have faith and I'm just going to keep trying. You know, I'm I'm still walking every step on this path. And that's part of the surrender too, I think. I didn't know where it was going to lead. And I mean, even on our wedding day, you know, I had a lot of doubts. And even now, being married is fucking so hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, No one
0: talks about that. No, no one, one talks about, about, it. about it. Everyone's like, oh, dating is so hard, but no one talks about committed long-term <gasps> oh, relationships and marriage being me? hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, dating is hard in its own way. I have a lot of respect for that. But being married to somebody where you are accountable for the shit that you do and so are they and nobody's going anywhere although you can threaten that you're going somewhere mm-hmm. and you are in <laughs> the same house with just one other person it's all your stuff all your family stuff all your childhood stuff all your friend stuff it is extreme it is an amazing adventure but yeah it's hard it's all hard
1: right it's all hard <laughs> but it's worth it yes. that's also another takeaway don't yes. want someone listening to just be like i'm just going to be <laughs> single forever because oh, no, uh, relationships not, yeah. are hard <laughs> because it's worth it i mean i think after All this turmoil and the timeline discrepancies and the feeling discrepancies, it's all worth it because you came together to build this love together. Do you think there was a defining moment of when you two were extremely aligned?
2: When I met his family, it was like a month after I moved to New York and it was a wedding of his cousins in Philadelphia. He has a big family and they're amazing. They're like the most amazing group of people and they are big personalities. (laughs) So I think it was like, how is this person me? How am I going to fit in? I felt the same way when he met my parents. It just felt natural. It just felt Mm. like that organic, like, you know what? There's an ease here. That was a defining moment for me of, oh, okay, this can really work. There's something here that feels like familiar in a safe way in like a healthy way to me.
0: I mean, this conversation has been so eye opening. First of all, just the fact that we got another perspective of the same story. But I think my biggest takeaway, it's, you know, love is messy, like we think it should fall in this linear path. And if it doesn't go a certain way, then it's doomed. It's over. We're wasting our time. We hear that all the time. Like, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to give the wrong people a chance. But what I heard from you time and time again, is that you were focused on yourself. And I think that is all we control that is us right and i love that you made this list of this is what i want and this is what i need in a relationship and i hope it's him but if it's not i'm gonna find the person that is and everything you said i think like there's so many tropes that like you think of like the woman waiting passively but your story was not that even though it could be interpreted like that if you didn't hear your perspective and feeling like okay this is me i'm in the control of my love life. And I'm going to trust my gut. And I love what you said too about how do you just check in? Is this making me feel good or not? That's so important. And I think if you got to the point where you were like, this isn't making me feel good, then you could have at least known to have a conversation or decided this wasn't something worth pursuing. So you at the forefront is my biggest takeaway from this whole conversation for sure.
1: That's also my biggest takeaway is the only constant in your life is yourself. That's the only constant. People change, settings change, environment changes. You're the only constant in your life. So why do we not spend most of our time focusing on this constant in our life and developing this constant? What I'm taking away from this is at first, this was a he said, she said story, but now it's becoming a Will story and an Amy story because you Mm -hmm. are both the star's of your own stories. It's not he says she said, it's your truths that what you experience in the moment. And when you can always fall back on yourself and knowing that you're working towards something of your own, nobody can take that away from you. You don't need anything from anybody. You don't desire or want things from anybody. Other people just add to your life, and that's they cannot take. There's no subtracting. And like you said, Amy, Will can take away your power, no matter what he did. And so many times in dating, we give away our power. Not someone took it. We volunteer our power away to people. We wait by the phone. We wait for the messages. We don't speak up. We think they have the upper hand. There's no upper hand unless if you create that. That's your doing, not the other person's doing. So we really have to understand that you are the central character and the only constant. Everything around you, relationships as important as they are, should be adding to your life and not subtracting from who you are and where you're walking towards. So thank you. Thank you for making that so clear for us now. And I have a much better picture of you and Will, but more specifically, more you.
2: I would like to share two things as well as we close that really helped me. And I wish I knew, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was standing in yes. their shoes and all those failed relationships as well, right? What I realized later in life was the purpose of my life, like why I'm here, like why I'm alive. And it really boils down to, again, I'm very Buddhist. So learning how to love myself so I can help others do the same. And that really is about liberation. So when I think back to all those things that, you know, when will, will let me down or even now when we have tiffs or, you know, big conflict in our marriage, I'm in it because ultimately I believe that it's happening for me. It's surfacing the stuff that I have that is unhealed healed or difficult mm. or unaddressed or has an opportunity to be healed within me because there's a barb in there and it's hooked on. And there's so much self-work that I did before I met Will and got married that I think I got like pretty far maybe, but so much territory that I couldn't cover because I wasn't in a relationship and it's only right. in this relationship can all this stuff get triggered and brought up. So yeah. I'm doing this because I feel like it's happening for me and there's no other place that I can walk a path of liberation. This is my path. Like you said, Yue, it's it's you know, about me, right? It's that my power, and I do see him as. Even though it's not all the time, we we'll get in fights, and I'll be like you, you know. But uh-huh. um, when I step back, you know, it's my choice to go through this with him. And the second thing I want to share this is something very wise that Will told me one night. Because you know, you can imagine going through seven relationships like that and being a little cynical and confused about what love and relationship is. But I remember he turned to me one night and he was like, "You know, I'm so happy. I feel like I found true love." And I looked at him and I kind of like I was like, "Oh," but I was also. Kind of like, that's like a, you know, Disney term, right? And I didn't say that out loud, but then I had this reflection. I was like, wow, Amy, how could you possibly experience true love if you don't believe that it exists? Mm. So you have a choice right now. Do you believe in true love? Do you believe that that exists? And I was like, shit, if I say no to that, I'm never going to experience it. So I better say yes. So true. I better say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: I think just the last I mean what you just said was so, so incredible, but I think like we gotta remember that we're just like two human beings. Like there's never gonna be a perfect relationship. Like I think we're talking about this, like Will wasn't ready, but it's like there were so many things like going on like distance and you know, timelines don't always align. And that doesn't mean that you should wait endlessly for someone that isn't meeting you, but it also means giving grace to someone because it just might not always align a hundred percent. And it's not going to always be perfect because you're not perfect, they're not perfect, and the situation isn't
1: perfect. You know, it's just like the highlight reel. We think, oh, Amy and Will, they met in the Dolomites, and then they fell in love, and they got married. Yeah, The story really is retold now in that, yeah, okay, they met in the Dolomites, but then Will said, you should go find your person. I go find my person. I'm not ready. And then he was like, I miss you. And then Amy came out and was like, actually, maybe you're not it. I'm not not ready to receive you. And then, you know, there's a lot of and then, and then. So we probably shouldn't skip the middle part because that's more Mm -hmm. important than where you met and how you met because it's much easier to say, we met at the grocery store. You know, that's (laughs) so cute. But then, yeah, all the shit is going to happen. The middle is where it's messy.
0: It's the beginnings, of the meet cute. Then you get married. That's like what you're supposed to do. The tying it up in a bow. But there's so much in the middle. And then so much after the wedding, too, that happens. Like life is messy.
1: Amy, if people want to learn more about you because you do executive coaching, you do help powerful women love themselves even more. Where can they find you?
2: Instagram is easy. It's at it's amy Jin, and the website is www.amyjin.com. And then LinkedIn is always good.
1: Fabulous! Thank you, Amy thank you, our listeners, for listening to this. Again, if you want to go back and re, I'm going to do this tonight. I'm going to re-listen to Will's episode, <laughs> season 14, episode 3. So fun to have both of your stories now on record forever and ever on the Dateable Podcast. And for all of our listeners, if you want to join our journey to love, give us a rating and review in Apple Podcast. <laughs> Five stars really helps you get to that love euphoria that we've been promising you. <laughs> but also, just it helps us bring in fabulous guests like Amy when we have these ratings and reviews because we seem a lot more legit. Because we are legit, not just seems, but we are perception-wise a lot more legit. And we're gonna wrap up this episode. Stay Dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Tag us in any post with the hashtag StayDateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, DateablePodcast.com.